remember as a kid when you thought someone had a house worth a million dollars or that they became a millionaire, you're like, whoa, they're like real rich, rich. Now it's almost like every house is a million dollars and anything less than that, you've pretty much got a bargain or you bought a garage in Sydney. So why has this completely changed and why is affordability with housing such a concern every decade and especially now when really our incomes haven't really increased in real terms. So in this video, I wanna cover off some key data points as well as share what my thoughts are around where the housing market is at the moment and what I think will happen over the next 24 months. If you're interested in what my thoughts are, definitely keep watching. Hey guys, my name is Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now let's jump into this argument about affordability. When it comes to elections, you always have some politician go, look, we're gonna have to address affordability. Yet, every time we go across this argument, they do nothing about it. And so let's try and figure out why a million dollars 20 years ago is not worth a million dollars today and why you're probably gonna need to retire on like $50 million in 30 years time to even feel like you can survive. Now that number, I just completely made up, but that's what it's sort of starting to feel like. What you thought was wealthy 10 years ago or even five years ago, just feels like you're barely surviving now. So this graph here showcases real household disposable income per capita versus real housing prices. And this is a very good insight as to why you need to attach your dollars to assets like real estate because of this. In the blue, we have real household disposable income per capita. And then in the orange color, we've got real national housing prices. Now it doesn't take a genius to know what's going on here. Up until about 2012, it looks like they were fairly equal. It was like they were running very closely together and that's what you want to be seeing. But since then, we've started seeing a lot more liquidity from the central banks across the world. And what you can see from the period of 2013 to 2018 is prices just ran so high and that's why we needed some sort of correction. And then what we see in 2020 is, yes, our real income was increasing, but then assets took off and what we saw was real incomes actually drop. Now we can see such a large disparity between our real household income versus real housing prices. And it's a lot to do with inflation as well, because every dollar is worth a lot less. So despite you making more, if inflation say is going up by 10% and you're getting an increase by 5%, you're actually falling back by 5%. But here is the trick, when it comes to real estate and you own debt, and then you have inflation kick in, there's a couple of things that people get annoyed by. High inflation means high interest rates. Yes, but if you have debt, you've taken debt in today's dollars. And if inflation increases by say 10%, the debt is effectively reduced in terms of purchasing power by 10%. Because that dollar has inflated by say 10%, the purchasing power actually reduces by 10%. So it's gone from a dollar actually buying you a dollar to going a dollar only buys you 90 cents worth of real groceries and real items. And because of that, your debt, which say is a million dollars, is now effectively the purchasing power of $900,000. So although people with debt really hate interest rates, if you can survive high interest rate periods, you will actually go into a period where interest rates start dropping, asset prices start increasing because there's increased liquidity, increased demand, but now those dollars are worth so much less. And you took out debt on yesterday's dollars, not today's dollars. Since December 2008, real household disposable income has gone basically nowhere, noted Brooker, who's an analyst here. Meanwhile, real housing prices have gone to the moon. To the moon. I love it. 
This is not a recipe for a healthy society he warned. Brooker also created a similar chart from 2000, which is even more abysmal given the strong house price growth experienced in the early 2000s. And you're looking at data here from 2000. And it was around this time the government actually got involved and started introducing like first home buyer grants and things like that. So when you get looped in and you think, oh my God, this government is so nice to me. Look how they're helping me buy my first home. The reality is anytime the government gets involved, they really F up the markets. And what we can see clearly here is that is the point at which everything changed. The real estate market has taken off and it continues to put in higher highs, higher lows, whereas income has effectively gone sideways. Our house debt servicing costs have also increased. And in sometime in 2023, we recorded an all-time high, which now is obviously even surpassing that. And we see a lot more of our payments going towards interest versus a lot of the payment that would, should have been going to our debt. And that's also reduced. What's also absolutely crazy is if you break down your budget today, if you think about your budget today and say, okay, I can only allocate 50% towards basic necessities, of which 30% is usually what was going towards shelter. So, you know, rent or your mortgage repayments. That ratio has completely been broken. A lot of people are now spending more than 60 to 80% of their income just to house themselves. It's absurd if you think about it. But this is where I go back and peel the layer. I say, okay, I get it. This situation sucks. And if you don't own assets, you feel like you're making more if you have changed jobs or you've got a promotion, but really it hasn't changed your life. What I do advocate for though, is during times like this, or even over the last three to four years, when a lot of people were just sitting on TikTok, aimlessly scrolling, that was the time to go out there and build side hustles, figure out what you could do in terms of extra skills and learn them. Even today, like I know people are out and about and we can do a bunch of things, but these are the times that we wanna go out there and educate ourselves. We need to understand how finance works. We need to understand how real wealth works. We need to understand how taxes work. And then you need to understand how to smash that like button. Because the reality is videos like this and there's other creators out there that have been talking about financial education are the ones that need to be pushed by the algorithm. Not some random cat that's playing with a ball that you're looking at at 2 a.m. in the morning. I don't know, like it's weird. So when it comes to the question of affordability in real estate, when it comes to Australia, well, here's the graph and it looks pretty sad. Affordability of households over time. So affordable share of home sales by household income. You're looking at the medium number here. And what you can see in and around sort of 1997, you're at 50%. Now the median is closer to about 10 to 15%. And what this means is spending 25% of your gross household income on repayments. You can see this completely fall off, especially when interest rates rise. You saw a similar thing happen just in the lead up to the GFC, and you see this number completely drop off a cliff similar to what's happening right now. Obviously with interest rates cutting, you'll start seeing some relief in people's budgets when it comes to the interest rate repayments that they make, but also the flow on effect could mean that we have a little bit more supply as people are able to borrow and buy more properties, then they can go and say, okay, we can create more supply. The builders are happy. People wanting to take on the debt can take on the debt to complete the houses. And that starts relieving that pressure valve on the rental crisis. But this isn't something you just go in, flick a switch and hope for the best. Even if the RBA came out tomorrow and said, we're gonna cut rates by 200 basis points, by the time that flows into the whole system, for it to flow into construction and for it to flow into people actually going and getting finance, it takes time. But what doesn't take time is for the people that are sitting on the sidelines pre-approved. Those who can buy now are in a very unique position because if you're someone that can borrow now when most people can't, guess what happens when most people can? 
And that is the reality of why buying now rather than waiting is the key to making wealth and keeping that wealth long-term. I break down exactly why this is a great time to be buying despite everyone telling you it is the worst time to buy. Definitely go check out this video. Forget about these mad headlines saying there's a recession, everything's gonna self-destruct or that, or that houses are gonna go up by 100% in the next three days. Focus in the middle, that's where you wanna be. Once you get your head right in this game, you can make so much wealth, but what keeps us away from actually doing it is distractions. Most people are more worried about what Taylor Swift is doing, what the royal family is doing, rather than saying, okay, I get it, finance is dry and taxes are definitely dry. But let me figure out how I can optimize my taxes. If I save an extra $10 today, I can save 70 by the end of the week. If I invest that, what does that look like? And slowly you start building up the foundation for what your wealth strategy should look like. If you need any help at all, when it comes to real estate investing and you're like, I've sat on the sidelines way too long, definitely reach out to our team. You can book in a free discovery call so I can help you get started on the right page when it comes to real estate investing. I hope you guys have enjoyed this one. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.